Matthew chapter 9, verse 27 through 38. And Jesus passed on from there. Two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus sternly warned them, see that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame through all that district. As they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke. And the crowds marveled, saying, never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, he cast out demons by the prince of demons. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly for the Lord, to the Lord of the harvest to send out the laborers into his harvest. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. Well, today we finish up Matthew 9, uh, and we have, you know, it's kind of three section headings in the ESV. Uh, Jesus heals the two blind men. Uh, Jesus heals a man unable to speak. And then this um, landmark passage, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Um, So joined by the Tally Coughlin. And we, uh, you know, this this two blind men passage is interesting. It's kind of another one of these these uh, interesting passages to read alongside the other gospels because it's very reminiscent of the healing of Bartimaeus, mm-hmm. um, who is one blind man, I think, in Mark. Um, but he he cries out, "This son of David, have mercy on me." Um, so whether whether this is like you know kind of a a different account of the same thing. Or, you know, just a different instance of Jesus healing blind men, yeah. which apparently he did a lot. <laughs> um, who knows? But Tally, what are, what are your thoughts on what we have going on here today uh, with these kind of three sections? Yeah. I mean, I think with the blind men, um, I lo- so I re- once read a book uh, called Rediscovering the Wonder by Mike Cosper. And he talks about when we read scripture, we often lose the wonder of what's happening. And so there's this idea of reading scripture. It's called immersive reading, mm. where you like read something like this and you just really take time and you mm. pause and you close your eyes and you imagine the dusty feet and the dry air and the bright sunlight mm. and the temperature of the environment, et cetera. And so you try to experience what was going on here. Mm. And so I don't know if you've ever played with kids and played a blind man game Mm -hmm. where you are actually, you can't cheat. You are actually like unable to see and you have to find your way around a room and find them. But being blind was distressing. It is distressing. It's very, very difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, And these blind men followed Jesus. So somehow they made it through town, through the city, through the crowds and made their way to Jesus. Mm. Let's just like, wow, good job. That's impressive. Yeah, yeah. But then secondly, this is the first time Jesus is called the son of David mm, by mm. other people. So this is a declaration of an identity that they know of Jesus to be true. And as such, they don't ask for healing. They ask for mercy. 
Mm. They don't ask about their physical need. They ask for their spiritual need. And mm -hmm. that's remarkable. I mean, that takes us back to Matthew 9, 1, where Jesus is, you know, dealing with the, not the physical need first of the paralytic, but the spiritual needs that his sins were forgiven. Well, these men are asking for their spiritual need to be met first, which is amazing. And they had great faith because Jesus asks them plain and straightforward as he does. Do you believe that I am able to do this? Mm -hmm. And their response is, well, if it, if you do this, no, if, if you do that, well, if we do this, yeah. no, none of those qualifications are made. Yes, Lord, they believe. Yeah. And he does. Yeah. So kind. I love that. It's, you know, the, the whole like concept of, of saving faith, um, that, you know, is very much on our, the forefront of our minds and our theologies as, as Christians today, uh, it, it's so clearly emerging as we read Matthew, um, you know, it's, People encounter Jesus, um, and their their just gut reaction is, if you will, you can heal me. Yeah, yeah. Or if you touch my daughter, she will live. Or yes, Lord, you you can heal us. You know, it, it's this very just profound. Uh, you know, it, it's not like all these things are are falling into place. Uh, for them theologically and systematically of like this and this and this, but it's just this, this gut impulse recognition of the authority of Jesus yeah. and, and also the goodness of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I just love how, how clearly uh, demonstrated that is. Um, and then, you know, we have as Jesus, you know, he heals this demon oppressed man yes. who is mute. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's kind of two different reactions. The crowds, the general consensus is there's never been anything done like this in Israel. But the Pharisees, they, they want to rob Jesus of the glory and, and they want to kind of downplay this. And so, you know, they say the only reason he can do this, the only reason he can cast out demons is because he has the authority of the prince of demons. Mm. Couldn't be more untrue. Yeah. So what do you make a, of kind of, you know, those these two accounts together and the the response of the Pharisees? Yeah. I mean, I think with the, the demon possessed man, some context is helpful in that the Jewish understanding of demon possession was that of this man, he couldn't be helped. And that is because in order for a rabbi to be able to cast out a demon, they, the, they had to know the demon's name. They had to call it by name. Mm. And this man was a mute. So they could not learn this demon's name. Mm. And so that that meant this demon could not be removed. If mm. it doesn't have a name and they can't call it by name, then this man is unhealable, un, unfixable. And Jesus heals him huh. and then he speaks, yeah. thus giving the evidence that the demon is removed. Um, and so Jesus had no problem dealing with this demon. Uh, he had no problem not knowing its name. He has all authority. And so they are like, well, the only way he knows his name is if he is familiar with demons, which means he must be the prince of demons. Mm. I mean, it's in understanding the rabbinical approach to this. They probably were embarrassed as well. Yeah. They had probably tried, you know, if this man was among the community and he was indeed afflicted by a demon, he wasn't probably just mute. There were probably many other manifestations of sure. this demon's presence in the community because of him. And so Jesus 
completely restores this man. So mm. they are going to do everything in their power to shame Jesus, to to elevate themselves and separate themselves from Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do so by saying he's just one of them. Same thing with the tax club. I mean, we just see it over and over. They're, they're saying he's not like us and we are righteous. Mm-hmm. He is not good like us. He is not a law follower. He is a t- with tax collectors and sinners. And so there's this constant theme of separation of themselves from Jesus and from his ministry. Um, but yeah, I think it's really noteworthy to see how Jesus just is always moved to compassion. Yeah. Like yeah. he doesn't, um, he doesn't stop and say, ah, you know, too bad. Yeah. He's just, he's moved to compassion. He's moved to action. And I love that. Jesus is such a, an action, uh, savior. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love, uh, you know, there's, there's other accounts of this, uh, this retort from the Pharisees that he casts out demons by the Prince of demons. And, um, I, I mentioned this a, a few days ago, but, um, and, in our gospel account, as this happens, you know, he, Jesus responds with the often quoted, a house divided against itself cannot stand yeah. and kind of points out the just logical fallacy of what they're saying and, and yes. how, how just blatantly illogical and untrue that is. But then he has this amazing kind of like metaphor, mini parable, uh, where he says, you know, when, when a strong man, uh, you know, fully armed protects his house, his goods are safe Mm -hmm. until someone stronger than him comes and binds him and then plunders his goods. Mm. And what Jesus is saying is there, there's a strong man who's been, you know, who's been, uh, suiting up. And, and devouring this world mm-hmm. and protecting his goods. But someone stronger than him yeah, is here to bind him and to plunder him. And I, I just love that. Like Jesus, Jesus, his identity in this moment is I'm here to rob hell. I'm here to lead a host right. of captives on high. I'm the thief yeah. of heaven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, that is just like, oh, it, it makes me want to run through a brick wall. <laughs> like, That's the, good. you know, Jesus isn't just here to like, you know, this like mild manner, mm-hmm. lamb of God, it's right. gently like, yeah. you know, hey, like I, I, I'm i going to try to rise from the dead. No, it's like, I'm, I'm going to try to rise yeah, from the dead. He knows the See authority. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he knows exactly what the authority that he has. You know, he says, I have authority to lay down my life. I have authority to take it back mm-hmm. up again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so the people who recognize that come to him in faith and yeah. are healed and become beacons of the authority and power of Jesus. And, you know, that is what Tally Coughlin is. That's what Will Carlisle is. That's what follows through to this day through, through his spirit. And, uh, you know, to the point that you were making, uh, of the compassion in the heart of Jesus, that's exactly what comes out here in the yeah. last uh, few verses. Um, that Jesus, you know, he's going all throughout all the cities, all the villages, all the synagogues, uh, proclaiming good news, a new kingdom is in town, uh, healing every disease, every affliction. And as he would look out on the crowds, I mean, you know, people in, in like a mass, like in a, in a crowd context, it's funny. It's easy. It's easier to respect people like face to face because like you can kind of see the humanity in them. You can yeah. see their intelligence. But I think like all of us, when you see just like a mass amount of people, 
it's easier to be like, oh my gosh, humans are idiots. Yeah. You know, like that's why we like people watching. Truly. That's why we like, you know, sitting at an airport before our flight, just yeah. being like, he wore that to the airport, you know, or like, you know, you even traffic, like it's yes. just crowds are infuriating. Yes. Crowds are annoying. Crowds are whatever. Yes. But Jesus seeing these large crowds of people yes. who, you know, have no idea what they're doing and are just like busking their way through life. Yeah. He looks and he has compassion. Yeah. I think that's so good to point out, Will, because, excuse me, he, like I, when I am in the mall or I am being at a concert or whatever, and I'm being like herded by large masses of people, everything in me cannot wait to flee the scene. All I want to do is get out of there. Like I want to hide. I want to go home. I want introvert. And I'm an extrovert. Yeah. Right. But I reach my capacity and, you know, Jesus is encountering opposition for the first time in chapter nine. Mm -hmm. And so he's gone about and he's healed and healed, but now the Pharisees are publicly challenging him and he could have this impulse to run and hide and wait it out or to Mm -hmm. be avoid. And, And most of these crowds wanted something from him. They weren't just rando people milling about. They were coming for him. Mm -hmm. They wanted something from him and Mm -hmm. he could have, responded very differently, but Mm -hmm. he was moved to compassion. I think I read somewhere that this word used moved with compassion. It it says it is the strongest word for pity in the Greek language. It describes the compassion, which moves a man to the deepest depths of his being. Wow. That is the power of this. And, And so when we read that Jesus was moved to compassion, I don't think it's the same kind of compassion we have when we donate a couple bucks to mm-hmm. a starving child in yeah. a different country or to a war-torn place. This is a deep de- depth of feeling that mm. has moved him to action and is the antithesis of my natural response. Yes. Yes. I love it. And it's because he sees these these people who need a shepherd. Um, and he sees wolves and bears in their midst. Yeah. And, uh, and, yeah, just... It's so powerful, and then you know the, this this famous prayer, um, or not prayer, uh, the statement: "The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few." Therefore, pray, yeah, to the Lord. But it's not therefore now go. Yeah, he says. Therefore, first pray. Amen. And I, I love that because I think so much, like even with, with good intentions, when we see like the need for laborers, whether it's in our own city in our own workplace or like across the world. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we can feel this like savior complex yes. of like, how do I fix, fix it. this? Yes, yeah. How do exactly. I, how do I insert myself into this scenario yeah. and f- make things better? Um, and yes, I, I love that the Jesus starts with pray for the Lord to send the right people. It's good. And uh, as we move into Matthew 10, uh, that's exactly what Jesus is going to start doing is he's going to start sending out these apostles. Yeah. And, uh, the, the multi multiplication effect of his ministry is going to start to take place. Yeah, it's amazing. So we're gonna we're gonna get there tomorrow. But until then, for the great Tally Coughlin, this is Will Carlisle. We'll see you tomorrow on our Daily Rhythm. Thanks for listening to our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant, and our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. 
If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for our daily rhythm.